Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to today's show. Uh, slightly different this week, mixing it up a little bit. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, I sit down for a, a Bitcoin podcasters roundtable episode. I invited uh, some other Bitcoin podcasters onto the show. We've got John Vallis from uh, the Bitcoin Rapid Fire podcast, and we have um, Kayvan Devani from the, um, the Total Bitcoin podcast, which um, I think you'll really enjoy. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to to get some guys together to talk about, well, what I find is when I listen to other podcasts, I, I, I hear lots, obviously I hear lots from the guest, but then I end up kind of wanting to hear a little bit more from the host. So um, this way, I think um, we get a, into some good discussions about, you know, the people that, well, certainly for these two other guys, because they've been doing it far longer than I have, how, how it's affected them, how certain, speaking with certain people, um, you know, like affects their behavior and their thinking and shapes their, shapes their thinking and gets them thinking about the future. And, um, you know, kind of the lasting effects it's had on, on being exposed to some of the people that we've been lucky enough to be exposed to. So that's the, the theme of this episode. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I'd love to get some, some feedback on it. And, um, cause I'm thinking about making it more of a regular thing. Um, so any kind of feedback would be uh, much appreciated. A uh, little bit of housekeeping. Um, want to give a, a quick shill to Real Vision again. Uh, you know, $1 is going to unlock 30 days of all of their content. You can go and check that out. I think it's a no-brainer. And I could probably take a little shill pill here myself just purely because over the last couple of weeks, I've been getting um, more messages from people, DMs, about... Um, a book that I wrote uh, three to four years ago, which people didn't realize I'd written a book. I, uh, it's on, it's pinned on my profile if anybody wants to go and check it out. It's called Choose Life. And it's about the journey, the transformational journey that I and my family went through after um, quitting and leaving a career and uh, taking our kids out of formal education and choosing to world school them and, and how anyone can do that it's it's not a book saying hey look at us you know we're all fancy we did this thing it's like a almost a blueprint and uh you know i was unlocked by a book myself the four-hour work week by tim ferris and it just felt natural to me in the end that i should write a book um, aimed more at um, families and people that feel as though they're they're, they're stuck in a career which they're not 100% entirely content with and are perhaps looking for for different ways to live and for for different options. Um, so yeah, go check that out if you're interested. It's called Choose Life. If you have Kindle Unlimited, you, you can just download it for free. It's uh, There's a printed version which you just order uh, via Amazon on demand and um, there's uh, a Kindle version. Um, I've not done the audio, although I probably should one day. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoy this episode. I thought it was really cool. Uh, take care and thanks for listening.
Okay, guys. Um, it's uh, it's a Bitcoin roundtable episode with uh, Kayvan Devani, John Vallis, and myself. Um, we're going to be talking uh, about um, how our past guests have uh, influenced our thinking and um, what we're thinking uh, for uh, the near and long-term future. Uh, as always, I have a little co-host with me, and um, she has a question to ask um, these guys before we uh, before we kick off. Should I speak now? Yeah, just okay. right into the <laughs> Why do you like making podcasts? Okay, Ivan, I'll let you go first. All right. Well... It was always, you know, um, I, 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 you know, I saw it as my mission, um, if you want to call it that, uh, to, like, like all of you podcasters, like to educate, to to inspire other people, because I think Bitcoin is such a, you know, super important thing in our lives right now, and it is so, you know, it is so beyond maybe our imagination and comprehension what we can do with Bitcoin. Uh, uh, in the future, on you know, on every level we can imagine, you know, uh, because I see you know a different society. I, I see a totally different civilization, humanity, uh, on you know on the roots of of Bitcoin. Uh, would it be you know science, technological innovations, um, uh, you know, more freedom, and uh, you know, more simplicity in our lives and more prosperity and joy? Well, Lauren, for me. Um, I'll, I echo everything that Kayvon just said, but two, two reasons. One, I'm a bit like you. I just love, you know, I'm a bit of a chatterbox. Mm -hmm. I like, I like speaking with interesting people that, you know, are interested in similar things to me. Um, but other than that, you know, it's when you have something that I, I believe is incredibly meaningful, like for, for, you know, the whole, for humanity really. So that's a very compelling thing because it means the potential impact is so big and that makes it so compelling. And then when you combine that with just the intellectual um, curiosity around it and how intellectually rich it is, and then you combine that with how many just super impressive people and great thinkers and minds um, are in this space, those three things just come together. And, I, you know, I, I can't contain my excitement. So I thought, well, you know, I don't know many of them personally and they're not in my immediate environment. I better start a podcast so I can have uh, conversations with these people just to satisfy my, you know, to scratch my own itch. So those are, those are my reasons. That's a lot of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, Good uh, ones, I hope. Yeah. Question. Thank you for your question. Do you want to say uh, goodnight to the guys? Good night and bye. Wait, Lauren, wait. I have a question hey. for you. Oh, wait, wait. John's got a question. Got a question I told you these podcasts are going to be tricky. <laughs> so... I understand that you've uh, your dad has introduced you to Bitcoin and you have a few stats. Yeah. What's your opinion on Bitcoin? And it can be absolutely anything. But what do you what do you think about owning some sats and what this is uh, what does this mean to you? Um well, when he first mentioned it, I was like, oh, this is just a load of nonsense what he's saying. But now he, he he's saying this all the time, like, is this actually kind of true? Is this really important? Is this important to the world? Is this, is this important for my future? And Good question. it is important for my future. It's, it's important for everything. So. Nice. I like that. Can answer. I ask you something too? Like when you talk to your, 
you know, to your um, to the kids your age. Mm-hmm. I mean, does the topic Bitcoin ever come up? And what do you what do you what do you tell them? I mean, when they ask you, you know, what is Bitcoin? What is it for? What do you need this thing? Well, the thing is, they don't know anything about it, and 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 I never bring it up because I know they won't be interested in it, and so. I was like, no, I know these guys. I know they won't be interested. I just know. Sounds familiar. Maybe, maybe you just got. <laughs> I know. Everybody does that. Maybe maybe you just got to find an angle that they aren't thinking about. Like, what if you told them this is something that's going to be super important in the future, but not even your parents can take it away from you? Would that be yeah. compelling to them? I'm not sure. Maybe. Mm. You never know. Or if if one day in the future they'll be able to buy their house and car with it, and work on anything they wanted to work on because they wouldn't have to go and find a career or and paint themselves into some dark corner of yeah. But one of my friends really wants to be an actress, <laughs> and I think um her cousin worked as an an actress, I think. So she really wants to be one because she think because they she thinks that it's really cool being an actress. And she wants to be a singer. General nine-year-old stuff, huh? Yeah. But she, <laughs> but she, she wants some money because she wants to adopt like four kids, which like take away like thousands and thousands and thousands of money. I'm like, <laughs> money. Yeah. There you go. Thousands of dollars. Just, just by Bitcoin, <laughs> Bitcoin fixes this. <laughs> so for any any nine-year-old kids out there that are thinking about growing up and adopting four kids, they should start sacking sats, I think. Is, is yeah, message. I need to tell her this now. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> next time we go on the phone call, I'm going to tell her this. Okay. But I don't think she is because she's just going to be playing The Sims. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, maybe she'll be, able, she'll be able to buy The Sims 10 when it comes out if she buys Bitcoin now. <laughs> Say goodbye to the company. Bye. See you later. Bye. Well, good meeting you. Bye-bye. You too. <laughs> Uh, excellent. Thank you so much for um, fielding and re-asking Lauren a question. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think it's super She's important, adorable, you know. Man. Thank you very much. Um, do we need to shill the beers before uh, before oh, yeah. we get into the questions? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll kick this one off. So this is uh, called Iceberg Beer. It's made by a, a local brewery a friend of mine uh, runs, and it's used. It uses. 20,000-year-old iceberg water to brew it. So they, they hook into an iceberg, they yank it into the, in, you know, they, they, they haul it in, they melt it down, and that's the water they, they use to make the beer. So beautiful bottle, nice beer, supporting uh, a local buddy. That's just a crazy process to go through. I mean, who thinks of that? That's nuts. Yeah, it's a beautiful I mean, bottle. in springtime, the, the icebergs will flow by here in Newfoundland. So you know, even at the vantage, the vantage point I'm at now, uh, you'll be able to, I'm not sure how clear that is, but you'll be able to see them uh, floating by in the springtime, which is pretty cool, oh my God. spring and summer. Uh-huh. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, Van, what are you necking? I'm drinking a pretty well-known branded regional beer from Salzburg. It's one of the county states of Austria. Uh, it's pretty well-known. It's a very, you know, simple beer. I don't know what, you know, probably very... It's a pure water, I guess. No, I can't compare it to John's water. But, <laughs> no, but, you know, think, it's pretty tasty. Yeah, I don't think. But anything. I usually, I usually like uh, darker beer. I mean, this is just you know, um, I didn't have any other beer, but it tastes pretty good. 
Yeah, I don't think anyone's beaten John tonight. I, I brought in some of my own homebrew, but it's it's not a good batch. So um, I've, <laughs> I've switched to left uh, to, to see us through. Um, but guys, thanks thanks for doing this. Um, like the idea being that um, we get together, just host a little podcast roundtable and discuss the kind of things that we've been learning and the guests we've been exposed to and our thoughts because, um, you know, Kayvan, the other day, like uh, I was listening to you with uh, Knut and uh, Giacomo and, um, you know, Knut kept bringing it up during the, uh, the conversation. He's like, Kayvan, we're not hearing from you. Kayvan, you're not saying anything. <laughs> but, but you, you had no choice, right? It, it was like these guys were just, once, once you asked them a question, they were lit up and it was just amazing to hear. Yeah. But yeah, then you... It was a super flow. I, I, I listened to your closing comments and, um, you know, it's... Um, what you had to say was, you know, really insightful. So I'd love to ask you, you know, um, not necessarily that interview, but it, we could focus on that one if you like. Um, you know, when you get off of these interviews, sometimes it takes two or three days for something to sink in. Um, yeah. Sometimes you have to re-listen and you're like, whoa, yeah. like, you know, was I asleep during that answer? But, you know, there's so much information yeah. being streamed at us that it's crazy so do you have any thoughts around that and um like some of the guests that you could pick out that uh have stood out for you like recently one of my last interviews was uh with um he's a he has a he has a pseudonym name or anonymous uh his name is obi-wan he his face i don't know if it's his real face on, on twitter but obi-wan <laughs> ketubin so I, i'm not sure so me and my girlfriend we were talking i showed him his picture i said listen to me this guy looks like Sort of a, you know, sort of a uh, Mr. Spock, but with white hair or, you know, sort of an extraterrestrial guy from another planet, but totally like wise, like full of knowledge and, and depth. You know, I mean, the Twitter threads that you can read uh, on, tw it's, it's so dense, so condensed, so, you know, pure content. And I, you know, usually I have to read or re-listen, as you said, you know, uh, like multiple times till, you know, till I can absorb it, digest it and somehow, you know, translate it into my own comprehension because it's again, my perspective. Um, so I try, you know, I have some of my core questions. I'm trying always to, you know, somehow to find an approach. Uh, and, and if, um, if you listen to my interviews, um, there's a couple of questions which I always ask, you know, it's like, Okay, yes, why Bitcoin? That's a fundamental question. But I've never seen like, um, if we could just, I, I would just, that's, that's, that's the reason I thought it would be great if we, the three of us could meet too. Um, it's funny because uh, when Daniel mentioned that I had already thought about that a couple of days ago, like that would be awesome, you know, like to, to, to really go into a holistic, uh, you know, uh, discussion and talk and, 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 you know, change the perspective. So the question I'm trying to always to, to ask is like, what, what is the future going to look like? Because we are trying, you know, to inspire, to educate, to talk to people, to give them some kind of angle, you know, and I'm like, can we, can we translate it into a visual, visualized uh, motion picture maybe, or into a narrative? Like what is the day-to-day -day life going to look like? on the monetary root layering of Bitcoin, you know? Uh, because, you know, we are confronted with so much passive attitudes. Uh, people don't have time. People are tired. You know, they have a nine to five job. They have children, they have responsibilities. So I really have empathy. I empathize as you do, you know, with all the people around us, where are they gonna, you know, take the patience, the, 
the inspiration, the, the passion, the you know, the the joy. Like you know, this is this is something that it cannot be controlled. You know, this is a real fundamental shift and perspective change. Uh, it could be a really breakaway civilization because that's the only thing we can achieve with this. You know, we have no we have no other option. I mean, when we look around, this is so surreal. What's going on right now? And you know, I, I, you had you know recently with Gigi on, and I'm, and I had him uh, on to a couple of times, and he always said, "Hey, you got to be patient." And, he, and you know, he's got a, so much knowledge. You know, I mean, when, remember when he told us, like, uh, when he told you about uh, this technology, the technology is already so advanced that they can uh, like construct uh, or reconstruct your face according to your voice or whatever. So he has like super like background insider knowledge, which I can't, I think he can part, he cannot partially talk about because of whatever confidential, uh, you know, non-disclosure agreements. It's so centralized, the current structure. It's so super centralized. And if I may say so, it is so super criminal on every dimension, on every level we can think of whether you call it nation state, government, central banks, the military industrial intelligence complex, the whole, every structure you can think of, where does it derive its legitimacy? That's my core question. Where does the legitimacy come from when all the members, the structures of the central banks are politically untouchable, legally unaccountable, and, and criminally immune? With all the damages and consequential damages that we've seen and encountered ourselves, so much pain and suffering, which way are we going to go? There is only one option, and that is Bitcoin, because that's the root of, of, you know, of the total structure which, which keeps it together. So once we, we, you know, we create this new monetary root layering, as I call it, whatever you want to call it, um, then, you know, then the old structures and the old systems become obsolete. And I, had, I actually had a dream about that, Finally, on that day when my father died, in that very morning, a couple of, uh, that's so weird, I got to tell you about the dream, a few hours before, that was a year ago on 18th of December, a few hours before my dad died, I had a dream, it was so vivid, I could, because there's seldom, you know, a dream that I can tell you so much in, exactly in detail, and <laughs> Because I had already, you know, done so much research and written articles on the Bank of International Settlements. You know, this this totally occult building with not even a sign in it where they meet every two months. There's no protocol. There's nothing. Zero transparency. And I had this dream and I was like, uh, you know, I was like in front of that building. It's it's also called the Tower of Basel. And I call it Tower of Babel. Um, and, it, and it just evaporated like a light, you know, and when, once I woke up, uh, this, the sort of the, the nurse of the, of, of this, um, you know, of this, uh, pension home, uh, called me up and said, yes, um, you know, she informed me my dad has died. I'm like, this is so weird because I went then over the oceans in my dream. And I, I had this dream as if this old structure just evaporated, just became obsolete whether it was about Bitcoin, but it was, you know, or not, I don't know anymore, but it just, it, it uh, really intrigued me. So the question is, how much time do we have left? You know, because there's always this, this thing that people tell me, you know, you got to be patient, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. My question is, do we really have that much time? I'm not a doomsday type, you know. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not a pessimist. I'm actually very, very optimistic. I, I, there is only one, one chance and one opportunity, and and that is, you know, 
if we can just speed up, accelerate the, you know, the critical adoption rate, people finally understanding why Bitcoin, that would be so fundamentally, you know, a game changer. Yeah, man. Well put. Incredible. How about you, John? What's um, what's been on your mind lately? You, I mean, some of your episodes you've been putting out, like um, uh, I'm gonna mispronounce his name, Maxime um, Bernier. Bernier. Yeah, Bernier. Bernier. Yeah, Bernier. Bernier, Bernier in, in French pronunciation, but yeah, Bernier in English. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> wow. Like we now have Bitcoin podcasters reaching politicians, mm-hmm. and not only that. Like politicians that are in, you know, he's the the lead of his party, right? This is this is crazy now. Uh, you know, yeah. this is this is. Can can you explain to the guests how how you got to to have this conversation and how you felt leading up to it and how you felt after it? Yeah, well, just very quickly how it came about. I mean, I've always, uh, I don't think I've ever voted. I've always just thought, you know, politics was you know, bullshit basically. Um, and you know, whether that's, I was cynical about it and anyways, I, and I was outside the country for most of my life. So, you know, I never went through the, the hassle of, you know, doing a vote proxy vote or, or what send in vote or whatever it is. But I came home in November of 19 and I saw, you know, just, uh, I don't watch the, the new, I don't watch TV and, but I saw, um, my mom had the, the, the news on and it was a clip from the, de- the debate which the which was the leadership debate for for canada <clears throat> and so you had the the leaders of the you know i th- think it's probably five main political parties now there's really only two main the liberal and the conservative and the other three are a bit more fringe but you know they're not as fringe as say like the libertarian party in the u.s at least not all of them um but nevertheless i i heard him speaking and um, to my mind, you know, he just was speaking very plainly, very truthfully. He was making, he was using, he sounded very rational and logical. And I thought, oh, how about that? You know, like a politician who's saying, you know, the thing, the, addressing the actual, to- the, you know, subjects that should be addressed, the, the real issues. And he was talking about debt and, you know, the, you know, um, uh, free speech laws and, you know, a, a very, very, libertarian sort of um platform let's say and i thought it was interesting followed him at twitter at some point and he just you know he, he keeps pumping out stuff you know he, whether it's a little video he does or sharing articles and he, he's just right on point all the time when there's when the canadian government is trying to encroach on free speech for xyz reason he calls it out and says this is bullshit this shouldn't be happening we shouldn't be you know blah 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 with monetary policy, same thing with immigration, you know, he, he's not anti-immigration, but, you know, Canada has a very liberal immigration policy. And he's just saying for economic and cultural reasons, it should be scaled back, you know? So right now, let's say we do like 350,000 a year. I think on his platform, he was saying like something around 200 to 250 would make more economic sense just based on job figures and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, all that just to say, you know, he seemed pretty, seemed pretty reasonable to me. And then I noticed in the news media how he was absolutely destroyed. Like people were calling him racist, xenophobic, homophobic, like, you know, anti this, anti that. And I was, you know, I'd seen it before. You see, you see it with, you know, maybe with Ron Paul back in the day, or if any of you guys follow Jordan Peterson, same thing. You listen to him speak and there's none of that there. But in the media, people are just 
so vehemently opposed mm-hmm. to him and using these outrageous characterizations of him to slander him. And uh, I noticed that with Maxime. And I was like, wow, this, this is ridiculous. And then I just happened to see a tweet where he's talking about um, Austrian economics uh, one day and Keynesian economics. And, you know, he was, he was trying to educate his audience about the differences there. And, you know, I'm not like, I'm not super well versed in the Austrian school of economics. I think the Austrian school, at least to my mind, is just if, if you give economics, you know, some objective, uh, you know, thought, if you introspect a little bit about it, you contemplate it, that's what comes out. And so I don't think people need to study Austrian economics. I've, you know, I haven't done very much at all, but I think now I'm reading more Austrian economics just to see like how other people who wound up at the same conclusion are articulating their thoughts about it. Um, and anyway, so I, I reached out to him on his website and I just said, Hey, you know, I, you know, I appreciate uh, what you're doing, the ideas you're trying to proliferate. Um, I'd love to have you on to talk about, you know, the Austrian Keynesian dynamic as well as some other, you know, uh, economic issues that aren't being addressed uh, in the dialogue today. And a few days later, his team got back to me and said, you know, this is, uh, Maxime said, this is something he'd like to do. So, uh, you know, we set it up and the chat was wonderful. Um, We talked about some issues that were relevant to Canadians. He was also, I, I left out this part of the story, but in the leadership race for the Conservative Party, which is basically the Republican Party in Canada, so that is the other main party. So it's always kind of back and forth between the Conservatives and the Liberals. Um, in the leadership race for that in 18, I believe, he lost by 1% to the person who won. So, you know, 49-51. And uh, so a very close race, and he was almost the leader of the main opposition party. Uh, in any case, you know, we had a conversation. Uh, we talked about the approach to economics and monetary and fiscal policy that's happening all around the world today, particularly in Canada. Um, some of the issues that he had the courage to address when he was running for the leadership that no other politician would even touch. And, and then, of course, we finished off with a talk about Bitcoin because, of course, you know, he's, he's, he's right there, right? And, um, you know, he's, a, he's a, a, let's say, an Austrian gold bug, right? He thinks hard money, we need to return to a hard money system. And you know, obviously, I didn't push too hard, um, but I let him know, you know, my my opinion on the matter, and I suggested that you know, gold uh, is why we're here in the first place because it has you know fatal flaws that have time and time again been um, exposed, and that I think you know, Bitcoin is something that one he would be interested in looking into coming from a monetary history. Uh, he's interested in monetary history, so I think he'd be interested in it. And I think it might be relevant to, you know, him and his platform and the things he discusses in the future. So as a thank you for coming on the show, I, I told him I'd send him my copy of Safe's book, The Bitcoin Standard. And uh, I did that uh, two days after our interview. And he said he's going to read it and uh, he'll get back to me with his thoughts and maybe we'll record another one when he's done. So it was it was a great experience. And it is wild that, you know, we're starting to you know, be able to have these conversations with people in, you know, quote unquote, positions of power. And I think there's a lot of dynamics involved in that. Of course, the degradation of the existing system is causing more and more people to say what the hell is going on. And they're looking for explanations and alternatives and that kind of stuff. But I also think, you know, this thing is just so intellectually stimulating and the smartest people in the room are the ones, you know, talking about this stuff a lot of the time. 
And uh, I think at some point there's going to be that social pressure. Like, well, I better, I, I better not, I better have an answer for this thing. If it comes up, like I can't be the idiot who just like, Oh, I don't know about that thing. I don't want to be that guy, you know, that old clip from the today show when they, the uh, email address came up on the bottom and they were all like, what's the internet? I, I don't know. I think what's the at symbol? Like nobody wants to be that person. And so the, the more and more, you know, intelligent, articulate people that are bringing this stuff up and talking about it is putting pressure on people to at least know about it. They don't have to support it, but to at least know about it. And so, uh, you know, he was very grateful for the, the gift of the book. He said he'd absolutely read it. And, um, you know, so it, the, the, it's trickling through for sure, of course. And um, I'm just grateful to be able to be a part of that and have those conversations with those people. Because like I said to Lauren at the beginning, I, I just purely I enjoy them I, I actually don't have like I'm, I don't feel like I'm on a mission to educate really I just really enjoy it and I can't think of anything else I want to be focused on because it's so intellectually stimulating and the potential impact that it could have um, on humanity is so great that it's like I, I, I can't um, it's something I got to do so if I if you know of course I want to speak with everybody and whether it's Max or, you know, some anonymous person on Twitter, like it's all the same to me, really. I don't, I might change my approach somewhat, you know, if I got to be a little bit more delicate and, or change my language a bit in some cases, but the message is always the same. And um, I love it, man. It's a, it's an absolute honor. Yeah. It's and awesome. you're sowing the seeds, you know, and you're sowing the seeds and and think helping the people, you know, like this politician to connect, helping them to connect the dots. It was excellent, I think, to send him the, the Safed and Amus Bitcoin Standard book because it's the best introduction. Yeah. Because it really, it's so logical, it's rational. It's like, what is money? Why, 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 why are we in this mess? You know, it's like three quarters of the book is all, it's only about money, right. uh, you know? It's like, you know, maybe once or twice he talks about Bitcoin, but like last quarter of the book is about Bitcoin. That's it, you know? so. And I think and that's required th for people that have an interest in monetary history and Austrian economics. Like, it, you know, you butter them up with that whole history and like make it really clear how money evolves and the, the, collect, the evolution of money. And then at the end, you just say, how about this? What do you think about this? This is a, ostensibly, this is an upgraded form of money. We may be wrong, we may be right, but you know, these are its attributes. What do you think about it based on the, the, your, your own logic and reasoning and, and approach to assessing these things? That's it. And, you know, people might be like, no, not going to happen. It has to be corporeal, as Roy Sebag says. It has to be real. Um, or maybe you're open to the fact that uh, things in the digital realm can have value and uh, that we can use them for a great many things in, in society. So, you know, it's all about just sharing this information and, and letting people, you know, digest it however they see fit. And it's so funny because... Um you know, I ask pretty much the same question at the end of each show. If there was one person that you could uh, implant your knowledge into Bitcoin, uh, about Bitcoin into, who would that person be? And for Safe, I asked him if there was one person you could swag bomb your book to, you know, and so they would actually read it and then share that with their audience, who would that be? And of course, he, he shills um, Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Vallis over here is swag bombing like uh, a political leader, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with that exact book which i think is uh is brilliant so uh yeah it's um let's hope let's hope he does read it and he does he does start connecting those dots and um i tell you what if he does and if he gets into you know um a position of power i'm coming citadel hunting in canada like pretty quick <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah you know what i i 
totally, sh- you know, I, I, as much as I, the whole system of politics, I think will dramatically change, obviously, if we're, if Bitcoin is the dominant global uh, currency, but certainly in, in whatever interim period or transitionary period, wouldn't hurt at all to have just some, you know, reasonable people, uh, you know, in that position. And uh, yeah, I mean, if if, uh, if that were the case, I'm sure there would be a lot of people coming uh, to the Citadels here because, you know, he's just, he, what I admire about Max, and I told him this at the end, was a lot of people are able to think reasonably and rationally, you know, all of us in our daily lives in a great many different domains, but it's it's exceedingly rare to be able to um, confidently articulate what you believe the truth to be when there are real consequences for doing so. So in his case, you know, he knows damn well that the majority of of Canadians are locked into a different perspective and way of thinking about politics, the government, money, etc. He knows it's most of his stuff is not going to land on people. He knows when he pisses off a special interest group, they're going to use their resources to, to rally, uh, you know, re- to, to take support away from him, right? To make it more difficult for him to obtain uh, the position that he's vying for. He knows all that. And I just thought, you know, I, I admire his courage and his, his willingness to accept that criticism in order to maintain his uh, integrity in speaking the truth. And so, you know, will that approach, uh, you know, Will the, the culture shift and, and come to appreciate that more? I have no idea. I, I'm somewhat cynical about it. But, um, you know, I just so, uh, you know, so appreciate that there's someone willing, who has the courage to go out there and say the unpopular things, knowing what the repercussions are going to be, but stick to what they believe the truth to be regardless. And that's the type of integrity you want in anyone who's seeking to govern you, of course, right? But uh, it's so rare. So we'll see. Are you are you a believer, John, in or what do you is political structures unnecessary, or do you think in like a sort of a gradual dissolution of political structures? I mean, I think all of this is. I know gradually. That's, political. That, no, no, I think I think you know the gradually then suddenly meme is true in in many ways, but you know there's no endpoint here, right? We're always in flux. Mm-hmm. You know, time pushes forward and things are all constantly moving and changing. So you know, Bitcoin becoming global money is not in not the end it's it's a means to something else and it has to be that's just the the story of of uh, humanity but um i i believe you know pretty strongly that the biggest determinant of structures that emerge in society in particular government authoritative power structures are directly predicated by the attributes of the money on which that society is built and so you know whatever drawbacks there are in the money that's used structures will emerge as a workaround so that that money can be used. And so, you know, um, there's many of examples of that. I've discussed them a bunch on, on my show before. But if, if Bitcoin becomes global money, then a lot of the structures that are a result of the drawbacks in monies that were previously used will dissolve because they'll no longer be necessary. And so I'm not even like, you know, I'm, I don't, put a label on myself like an anarchist, like no government, whatever, you know, individuals, emergent property of individuals acting in their own best interest. Who can know these things? I just know that because the money is the fundamental mechanism on which we, uh, you know, organize our interaction and cooperation, that whatever 
you know, it lifts us up and it limits us simultaneously. And, and so whatever drawbacks that the money has, here's an example, right? I think Bitcoin is a tremendous upgrade in money, so much better than gold. And don't like, obviously, we don't even get started on fiat. But um, so I think that's going to lift us up tremendously and it's going to dissolve a lot of different structures and intermediary um, structures in, in society. But let's wind the clock forward a bit, right? Once there's a, a thriving colony on Mars, for example, then one of the drawbacks of Bitcoin will be that, you know, the, trans the, the confirmation time, right? Because the time it takes for information or light to travel to Mars will be longer than the confirmation time. And that will be a vulnerability for people on Mars using Bitcoin, just as, a, as an example, right? And so at that point, that, that attribute of Bitcoin, that inherent property, will become a drawback that requires a workaround. Now, maybe the workaround is an entirely different currency for Mars, or maybe it's some sort of satellite system that allows messages to hop on each other more quickly, a la Lightning Network sort of design. Who knows? But the fact is, is that at certain point, like, we will always push the boundaries of the money that we use because our, we will never stop trying to optimize the way in which we cooperate with each other because it is literally the way in which we actualize our potential as human beings in an infinite world. There's no limit to, to that process. We will continue doing it until the end of time because we live in an infinite universe and our, our desire to optimize how we extract potential from that universe is, is the money and we will always seek to optimize it no matter what. So we may get like a great hundred years out of Bitcoin where we're operating within the limits of what it provides because it's such a huge upgrade that there's lots to work with. But at a certain point, we'll reach a limit and the drawbacks will become evident and then we'll need workarounds. And so I just think that's been the entire evolutionary process of money is using the best thing available and using a workaround for the attributes that aren't optimized or ideal. And a lot of times those workarounds ultimately are fatal and so, or, or at least extremely detrimental. And as a result of those workarounds, we get governance structures in, in society or facilitating structures, in this case, you know, like banks and, you know, um, warehouses for protecting, you know, gold and that kind of stuff. So I don't know what the future of, uh, of uh, governance looks like, of course, but I think we negate the need for a lot of it by using a better better money because that's that dictates what structures we need in order to make it work and to make our cooperation work so i don't know if that answers the question <laughs> yeah uh, you know i sometimes joke around um actually i'm serious i always ask the question when does wyoming the state of wyoming secede from the united states or any other <laughs> state or so you know michael krieger he, he writes really awesome articles on localism really succinct articles uh, he just published uh, a couple of new ones and what you know? What I see with Bitcoin is that yeah, it will it will it will um, uh, accelerate this process of localism. We're going to go more into sort of uh, private contractual communities uh, with it. You call them municipalities, little towns, communities, localism. So uh, so this this uh, progression, you know, from centralization to uh, decentralization to distribution or distributed localism. This is something I think. Uh, uh, we're going to thrive, you know, because, uh, you know, the most exciting aspect, it's like sort of an inner child uh, dream that I have is like, 
when we're seriously going to go to space, you know, like all these technologies that whether they are visible, you know, or, um, or, or being, uh, let's say, published or public, you know, vis publicly visible. Is, and I'm like, you know, how much potential is there, uh, you know, within humanity to, to develop all these technologies? You just, you know, talked about Bitcoin on Mars or whatever. And, uh, and, I, and I'm like, you know, by that time, I'm pretty sure uh, once, you know, this, uh, this monetary evolution uh, is being granted, uh, or we, 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 you know, we push it more forward, then we will have technologies that, it, that is just beyond our imagination. And this yeah. is what I see. And there is no other way out of this. It's, um, it's funny, I'm, I'm reading um, Hazlitt's uh, Economics in One Lesson at the moment. And um, I, you're both nodding your heads. <clears throat> You both uh, cl uh, clearly read it, um, but he starts off with the the um, the, the story of uh, the the fallacy of the broken window, and um, that really started resonating with me. And and to quickly sum it up, um, a baker um, has his freshly baked bread and pastries and whatever else in the window, and a young hoodlum runs past, throws a rock through the window, and smashes the window. A crowd quickly gathers to um, to look at uh, the spectacle, what's been going on, and start hypothesizing around. Oh well, at least the uh, the glazier is going to get some business, and the glazier's um, going to have to buy materials from someone else, and then that person's got to buy his raw materials from someone else, and yada yada yada. Down the supply chain we go. At least that hoodlum has created uh, some kind of um, economic uh, stimulus, um, which is nonsense. And then he he says on the other side of it is like, well, nobody stops to think about the baker who now has like nothing to sell because it's all just shattered glass all over it. And the $250 he would have made that day from selling what he was going to um, sell, he was going to go and buy himself uh, a new suit. Oh, a new beer's arrived. Thank you, Samuel. Kids are great. <laughs> not, a service. Not, not a young hoodlum, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the tailor would have obviously, he would have had to buy his raw materials from somewhere else and uh, employed someone to help him make it and da, da 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 down that supply chain you go. So the point being that you never look at the opposite side of the, um, the economic transaction. And that just got me deeply thinking about 1971 and the people that say, we've never had it as good as we have it now. I'm like, this is the fallacy of the broken window when you say that because you have no idea where we could be if we'd have stayed on the gold standard. Like, we could have been on Mars 20 years ago. Like, you know, and it sounds crazy, but, you know, there's only a handful of countries in the world that have it this good, right? There are many hundreds of other countries that just have, like, nothing in comparison. They're not saying, oh, it's never been as good as it is now. It's only, um, you know, the, us privileged few. So, yeah, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but, you know, that was the opening of that book that got me deeply thinking about um, coming off the gold standard and, and where we could be as a civilization, as humanity. And, and, Daniel, you know, the sad thing is not even our parents or grandparents actually know what it what it was like to be on a gold standard, right? I mean, if, if Safed Anamus, if I remember Safed Anamus writing his book in 1914, right, right before the First World War, they, it's actually the decoupling from gold started already there. So this is the thing. Uh, when I'm saying, whether it's the gold standard or the Bitcoin standard, we don't know. We can't even imagine what it would be like, uh, our civilization right now. 
we wouldn't have probably this this super centralized and and you know theft system of a patent system. <laughs> we really went deep into the rabbit hole of of the patent system and what kind of technology has been confiscated. And you know, I'm like, where would we would be? Would we still be after more than hundred years still be like burning fuel? Seriously, this is the question. I mean, on every other level, like electronics, computer, yes information systems yeah we are like you know we got a supercomputer in our palm of our hands but where's the other technologies what if what if we what if nikola tesla had been allowed to you know wasn't suppressed or whatever you know because they couldn't they couldn't put a meter on it i don't know but <laughs> so uh, if 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 the if the story is true you know jp morgan saying to nikola said well you know can you put a meter on it you know on this technology and he said no so you know so you can't profit out of it so where could we have been because you know money at the end of the day what is it again you know it's a yes it's a first of all every probably economist would say it's a meter of exchange first of all uh, and then store of value, unit account, and global settlement layer. But it's it's the one thing that that uh, balances out supply and demand. It's the price signal. It's it's everything that you know. And by the way, Ben Kaufman, you you should by the way maybe invite him on on because he just published his article on Bitcoin and the boom and bust cycles and the root causes. Really smart guy. I had him. Uh, we had him on March fifth at the Value Bitcoin Symposium in Vienna, where I, by the way, I. I moderated this discussion with um, uh, one or two Austin economists and and two Bitcoiners, with Sven Schneiders and Manuel Anders, who who also did you know the stock to flow elaboration on Plan Bs, and it was it was really funny you know uh, because it was about it was about like can the question was can Bitcoin outperform gold, and Sven Schneiders the guy is like 23 years old I don't know what I was doing with 23 but he's like super smart super intelligent and written a bunch of articles. And he says, well, you know, I mean, it, the, the gist of it was like the mess where we're in, it's because of gold that we got the fiat, st- uh, the fiat system. And mm-hmm. uh, we cannot, and his, 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 his thesis is that, uh, uh, that we cannot have the free market, we cannot sort of have the free market first and then decide, you know, to go on Bitcoin. He said, we need Bitcoin in order to have a free market. And yeah. it made total sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I think absolutely. It, we, we've we never had free markets because they were always corruptible, manipulatable via the money. And then after that level of corruption has been concerned, then via, you know, all the power uh, that the control of the money conveys. So, you know, all these people today claiming, a, you know, that capitalism and free market capitalism are, you know, the reason for all our ills. I mean, it's nonsense, but it's a hard one to fight because we'll say, oh, well, we've never had, you know, a real money on which to base a free market system. And they'll say, oh, well, we've never had real socialism. Everyone who screwed it up before was uh, doing it wrong. So, you know, those arguments, uh, those arguments don't, uh, don't play super well. But I, I, just to go back to what you were saying before about the quality of a money and how that influences society, uh, couldn't agree more. But the thing is, is because we can't answer that question, where would society be right now if we had a different money? It gets, you know, that question gets uh, deleted, basically, because you, know, you, you, don't, you can't have an answer for it. So it's not really relevant to ask for most people. It's not, you know, uh, it's not worth the time. Uh, and, and, you know, so, but I agree with you that the money, you know, does dictate tremendously the society you get. And look at the W2F, WTF happened in 1971 website one of the graphs they have there is incarceration rates. 
right? And so mm-hmm. at 1971, incarceration rates go up. And that's not intuitive. You wouldn't think, well, why does the type of money in society use dramatically increase, decrease, m- moderate in some capacity incarceration rates? And, you know, the, and I'm sure the answer to that is very interesting. And I'd love to, you know, dig into it when I, when I have the time. But I think it just speaks to the insidiousness of how the type of money in use influences behavior in a given society, both because of how it's controlled and who controls it and the power dynamic that's established as a result, and simply other of its inherent qualities, how they manifest in behavior of the people that are using it. Because again, you know, like that's what it is. It's, a, it's, it's the primary organizing mechanism for, for human interaction. And so on that basis, if that mechanism is tweaked this way, tweaked that way, bad here, good there, whatever, that will manifest in many different ways in society because it's how it's, it's going to form the basis on how we interact. And to the point of, you know, I ask the question on my podcast uh, all the time, what is money? And Kayvon, you were just, uh, you know, articulating it a little bit. And when you, you know, and I, this is a thought, you know, I've only really been thinking about, about it recently, but at a fundamental level, and I, yeah, I know this is, this may come off as woo woo and we can get into it if, if you like, but, I think money is how we extract potential from the universe. We do that by how it facilitates our cooperation, how it fulfills our wants and needs. But, you know, on, on a very, very fundamental level, we're here, again, on, in, on this world, in this infinite universe. And I think money, ultimately, when you boil it down and boil it down, what's the, you know, what's the subconscious need for it? Yes, to facilitate exchange. Why do we want to do that? Because we want more. We want to... You know, so I think fundamentally it's how we extract potential from the universe in which we find ourselves. And if there's any truth to that at all, then it's a super important thing. And the fact that it's um, been manipulated so often and in so many cases throughout history. um, And in other times, we've just, you know, we've been able to use the best option available. But again, that goes back to what I was saying before. That's why it's a never ending process of evolution, because we'll never be satisfied uh, with the the money that we're using, we will always seek to optimize it because we're always going to want to extract more potential from the universe, whatever that manifests in exploring the stars, enhancing our health, you know, whatever, we're always going to want in, in, to, to actualize more of that. And the money is the means through which we cooperate and coordinate ourselves to do so. And so it's always going to be a process of evolution and optimizing that. And, uh, you know, what we've had over the last hundred years has been an abomination. And I think to your point about like, where would we be now? We'd probably be way better off, even though we can't really make that argument. We don't have that much proof except for looking bad at, back at other historical periods that used gold, for example. But we'd probably be, I think it's an easy argument to make. We'd be better off. To what degree, who knows? And then to extrapolate a little bit further, what would, you know, humanity look like if Bitcoin was the monetary standard? Boy, I mean, that's that's why I'm so excited about this, because I think it it would look dramatically different and dramatically better. And we'd have, you know, like I said before, at certain point, the problems, the drawbacks of Bitcoin would emerge because it would bump up against our uh, what we were what we're trying to do with it. But there's a lot of room to run there. And I think things would look very different. And um, I just got goosebumps just saying that because, you know, this is a huge part of the reason why I'm in this, because I want to see that I want to know what what the possibilities are with that. 
Mate, I get goosebumps looking at pictures of you jumping in that freaking pond outside your house. Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, what the hell are you doing? Wim Hof. Boosting his immune system is amazing. Which, I mean, jump yeah. in the pond and then you're fresh, you're focused, you're zen, and yeah, Kayvon, you're you know the immune system benefits and everything. Wow. I feel great, baby. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Have, love you, it. have you done the Wim Hof thing before, or is this like? No, uh, I've I've like I've heard him on interviews and stuff, but I've never tried his method out. I think I'm just too lazy, and I get so much from it. Just the way, like, just I love you know that shock and then calming down and then you know having a, a warm shower afterwards and sort of thing. But I, I think my curiosity will lead me there because I you know he he seems to be onto something. So I'll check it out eventually. I'm sure. Okay, Van, what do you think? Are we heading over to, uh, to John's place to jump in that lake with him? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. I mean, <laughs> fuck Corona. I'm sorry, my language, you know. I mean, seriously, I mean, if you, if you listen to Dr. Shiva, I wish, you know, there, there would be more rational, logical thinking scientists, you know, who adhere to the ethical principles of science and, you know, and medicine and, you know, and it's so, it's so really, it's, it's beyond strange what's going on. I mean, you know, this whole thing, uh, Fauci and Bill Gates, and he, Bill Gates just said in a, in a public, uh, he got granted sort of a free promotion for like 10 minutes on German television from Germany, where he was exposed to like 6 million, 7 million uh, people who were watching him. And he said, yeah, and we want to sort of, you know, uh, inject or, or, you know, give 7 billion people this vaccination. And, and, and like, you know, the commentator, the moderator didn't even ask the question. Nobody asked the question. It's like, what do you mean? Like, how, why, what, you know? It's like people, uh, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's like a parallel universe <laughs> we're in right now, you know? And, you know, and Fauci is, we know, you know, the guy sits on the board of, of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and it's nothing to do with conspiracy. Theory. It's just money. It's about money control and whatever agenda is behind it. It's really strange what's going on. And I, I don't know, you know, why don't people just question the narrative, the official narrative? Yeah. It's really crazy, you know? And Yeah, we've got to take it seriously. No, no question, no question. We've got to take it seriously. If it's infectious, whatever, maybe it's a super severe flu, uh, in my my opinion, but uh, I'm totally with Dr. Shiva. You know, you should really listen, listen to some of his latest interviews. He says, you know, just boost your immune system, you know, with vitamin A, D3, K2, you know, uh, iodine, iodine, or whatever. And it's it's a it's a really immune rep uh, repressive uh, issue here. Yeah, I mean, for, sorry, for my one, rant. On, yeah. no, no, that's what <laughs> we have for. I'm not going to shit on you for rants, my man. <laughs> 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 um, but, but like, I, I agree, and I just think the whatever is really going on behind the scenes, the the approach, the response to this, <clears throat> just leaves. So many questions, um, you know, it just seems so irrational, but, you know, who knows? But to your point about why aren't people questioning this, I agree. And I think most people just naturally don't question these things. You hear Bill Gates, you hear vaccine. Yeah, of course. Um, but whatever your feeling on that is not, you know, now governments, I shared a link uh, yesterday where the Canadian government uh, is proposing something to, you know, uh, scour and ban and prosecute people that spread misinformation in air quotes on um, on social media um, around the virus and presumably there'll be other things tucked into such a bill as well 
And um, so even if you are one of those people, or if you, even if you somehow manage to convince people to question such things, um, the, the, they are, uh, you know, they are manipulating the landscape for the availability of information and literally putting things in place that you can be prosecuted if you, uh, if by their own assessment and definition spread quote unquote misinformation. I mean, first of all, who the fuck has the monopoly on truth? Truth is a very, you know, squirmy idea. And there are probably very few absolute truths. And who can say what is true? And especially in the realm of science, science is updated all the time. And the, the point of science is to be yeah. challenged. So why would you, why would you squash and quell uh, dissent or not even dissent, but challenges to assumptions that are being made in science and a perfect case in point. And look, I don't, whatever the, 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 your feelings are about the virus and how it's been approached at the beginning, they were say, saying no need for a mask, don't need a mask. Now they're saying you can't leave your house unless you wear a mask. And if you do, we're going to find you, put you in jail or whatever. So in February, if I had said, Hey guys, on Facebook, Hey guys, you really need to be wearing a face mask to protect yourself and not make sure you don't spread the virus, you know, for the good of the community. Is that misinformation? Because it was counter to what their narrative was and what I've been thrown in jail for that. And then a month later, have them changed their narrative? I mean, can they, it's insane that, that they and the people that would presume to hold them accountable don't see how problematic this type of approach is. It's crazy. They just put a lawyer, a German lawyer to psychiatry, mental asylum, <laughs> because she, she put a, she, she submitted a petition to the highest court and said, you know, there's got to be freedom of speech. People should, you know, still be able to, you know, congregate and protest. And she, she was just put into psychiatry. I mean, it's, it's surreal. It's, it's really, it's crazy what's going on. You know, so do we have a freedom of speech? We don't have it anymore. You know, we have a tyranny already. This must have been, you know, felt like in the 30s, you know, before or during the whatever the Nazi regime. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I agree. And it's, cra it's crazy to watch and in real time and, and see just how tenuous and, and how, um, like, how fragile these things that we thought were inalienable rights right? And now air quotes again, how easily, quickly, and without even any pro like, you know, uh, argument or protest, just if not outright removed, but suspended without any recourse. I mean, the whole point of them being there is so that that can't happen. So that should someone come to power, that's, you know, a bad person, they're not able to do that. And here, just out of sprinkle in a little bit of fear, And let's be, look, whatever the reality of the virus is, for most people, it's not a threat to their life. You know, for some people it is, and they should take precautions, and we should find a way as a society to mitigate uh, the risk for the most vulnerable. But the fact is, for most people, it's not a threat to their life, but all it took was a little sprinkling of fear, and those things that we thought were fundamental to our existence as human beings on Earth, in, at least in, in, you know, in many Western countries, although I, I think if we all probably went over our constitutions and bill of rights with a magnifying glass, we would find that a lot of that stuff isn't as ironclad as we might've thought it was. Nevertheless, it was the assumption. And now we're seeing just how easily they are uh, swept away. And what does that mean for how we feel about being a human being uh, on earth and, and what, you know, our perception of our own freedoms and rights are. Yeah. Yeah. 
not much to follow up there with John. That, that's very well put. And um, yeah, we're, it's certainly in strange, strange times. Um, we're going to be locked down here in France for at least another month. So yeah, when does it end? Um, what about uh, you, Daniel? You, we, uh, you, we answered the money question. I know you did a little bit, but uh, do you have anything further to add? Or <clears throat> about, um, which, about which question? Well, actually, about about both. I mean, I guess you just answered that one, and that you're just kind of locked down and waiting to see. But you know, mm-hmm. you know, actually, as a, an expat, you know, and obviously a family man, also. I mean, like, what kind of feelings and thoughts do you get as a result of this? Because you know, for all of us, we're having to deal with the, the realization that our worldview is going to need to change in light of you know uh, what's happening in many ways. But I, I mean, in particular, like that your freedom may not be as uh, guaranteed as you might have thought. And I, I don't have a family, but I can certainly imagine that if I had you got, you have four children, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, if I had four children and I was ta- you know, responsible for looking after them, uh, such changes would make me feel pretty uncomfortable. That's why I'm on citadelsforsale.com every day. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's been a weird like four or five years, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, we, as of March, 2014, um, I quit my career and um, we, we took our kids out of school and we started traveling the world for two and a half years. And that was like the most formative two and a half years uh, for all of us that, you know, we could have ever have dreamed of. And, you know, you, you you kind of be it sounds like a bit of a foofy thing to say but you know global citizen after experience something like that you see you know so many different countries so many different cultures meet so many different people and you realize human beings are just human beings it doesn't matter where they come from uh who they are what age they are what color they are how tall they are how short they are you know it's just human beings living on this planet together and then 2016 as a Brit, but I, you know, I've not lived in a country for almost 20 years now, but like the whole Brexit thing to hit and you're like, God damn, like what, you know, what the hell, what, what's this actually all about? What's all this, you know, and that was fueled by hatred. That was fueled by um, fear. Like you said, John, you know, just sprinkle on a bit of fear, um, you know, pick a few, pick a few targets and just keep sprinkling on, on some fear. Um, it doesn't matter what the actual truths are because you can't, you, you can never find them. And um you know, going through that and we decided to to settle down and live in France for a little while so we could get the kids back into a schooling system so they could get an immersive language learning um, experience. So now they can all speak French. And going through the last two years of, are we even going to be allowed to live here? You know, if Brexit happens, if Brexit happens, if Brexit happens, and then it just got kicked down the can, they kicked the can down the road again and then again and then again. It's like, you know, what what are the ramifications of this? Um, and now all of a sudden this, this whole COVID thing, now we're all locked down in our homes and like, no one's talking about Brexit anymore anyway. And we're just all talking about like, you're not even allowed to leave. You know, we're a, we're a family of six. You can't congregate in more than a crowd of five people here. Right. So that disqualifies us from even going out. Uh, even if they're family, it's just, they change the rules all the time. Um, and we have this slip of paper that we have to um, tick a box and, and sign each time we leave the house. And it only has to be for necessary things like your food. And um, you, you can only exercise within a kilometer of your house um, and in groups no larger than five people and, and all of this kind of stuff. Uh, so all of the worries about Brexit leading up to this kicked 
to the side, man. Like just <laughs> a drop in the ocean, like nothing, yeah. absolutely nothing. And, you know, so what is my thoughts about the future and being a father of four kids? And, you know, it's pretty natural to see why I'm so far down this rabbit hole and, and into Bitcoin and, and the ethos of, um, you know, the, the sovereignty and looking after your, your own money and having it, you know, um, stashed away as a hedge against this financial system that we, we've all been born to. Um, that's, for me, like the clearest thing I can do as a parent to protect myself and my family and my kids, but not just my kids, right? My, my kids, kids, my, I think I put a tweet out recently. Um, I didn't find Bitcoin. Bitcoin found my great grandkids and that's the way I see it. Right. That's, that's, nice. that's the way I see it. And, um, my whole, um, conversation with safe was about time preference and having a low time preference is just so key we've been drummed up into this consumerist frenzy. John, I saw your picture the other day, like of um, you on a Christmas morning ho- holding your Super Nintendo and it uh, brings back, um, is that what it was? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nintendo, yeah. And yeah, it brings back great <laughs> so memories, happy. right? Great memories. Um, but then think back to our Christmas mornings, like when we're eight, 10, 12 years old, I remember that like the, underneath the Christmas tree, you, you could barely see the Christmas tree. It's nonsense. Yeah. Like yeah, when did that happen? You know, it's just, it's crazy. It really is. And when you, when you think back about like this consumer driven lifestyle, this consumer driven frenzy that we've all been, we, we, we've just walked straight into it without even realizing. I mean, think about walking into a shopping mall right now. I just, it, just this, Disgusting. I prefer me. not to, but no, I the thought, mean. like, you know, you watch a movie and like in a movie scene is like um, the parking lots are jammed. There's people in the malls. Everyone's there just buying shit, going around their de- You know, everyone's walking around with like a Starbucks in their hand or something. You're like, fuck, this is yeah. nuts. Like, what I agree. the hell? I, I, I agree. And I think, you know, partially due to that time preference piece whereby people are going to be more... Uh, incentivized to to save and so that will change the kind of consumerist landscape that exists in the world but i also think that like all other things moneyness let's say and real estate has moneyness and art and you know so many things i think so much of that is going to go to bitcoin because for all the attributes that everyone is familiar with and also because it will be one of possibly the only store of value that is if not impossible to confiscate, extremely unlikely because it's so hard. And so what kind of an interesting dynamic will we have when moneyness, you know, value, non-utilitarian value is sucked out of the world around us and put into this digital realm? Um, I think the world around us will become less expensive because that monetary premium will, will come off it. And I think it will become more austere, but in a very good way. It'll be, we'll be surrounded by, you know, things that less things we don't need of, of low quality and more things that lift us up of, of high quality and the remainder of, of our, you know, of our savings of our individual and collective wealth will be in that domain that is untouchable. And that dynamic that will be created there um, between those two variables and, and of course, probably many more um, I just, I love imagining what kind of, uh, what, what that would look like in practice, you know, to, uh, to have a world like that where we're, 
satisfied with less, but we're all better off. And, you know, uh, the world around us lifts us up more than the, the, the one that we're in currently does. And, you know, yada, yada, yada. But, uh, I, uh, I share those sentiments about just the kind of disgust, uh, of our current approach to, uh, consumption and, um, you know, how we value or don't value certain things in our, in our lives and in society. And, I think uh, that's that's apt and ready for change. So, our our, our protest is is engaging in this ecosystem, uh, and uh, and in this you know uh, this thing that is Bitcoin, and the rest is uh, you know that's the best thing we can do. Uh, these are great, you know, talking to people and spreading the knowledge and stuff. But the best thing we can do is you know quote unquote being better Bitcoin citizens. Which I, when I say that, I just mean you know engaging it, uh, contributing to it learning how to, to uh, use it as best, as, as optimally as possible and, um, you know, letting, letting time take care of the rest. Yeah, absolutely. And what's going on at the moment with, the, you know, the amount of printing that's going on um, in the U.S. Uh, especially, um, people are going to, they are going to start waking up and they are going to start getting angry. And I urge people, like, you know, instead of, like, hitting the streets, um rioting and you know making a noise and all this kind of other nonsense um you know that that's pointless use their weapon use their weapon against them their weapon is all of this fiat cash we can take their weapon and change it and we can change it into bitcoin we can do that silently and we can do that on you know on our own terms and Mm -hmm. you know that's how we turn the fight back around couldn't agree more yeah, and what the time frame is concerned, you know, is a consequence of that. You know, this is like uh, when, uh, you know, amongst others, like Safed and Amus, uh elaborates, like, you know, what what it was like on a whole hard money or gold standard, is that people, whether they were, you know, intellectuals or uh, artists or engineers, inventors, you know, uh, the technological innovations from zero to one, so. This 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 is something I think people can imagine. People are going to have more free time, more free space. They're going to work less and be able for the first time maybe in their lives to stand still and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm going to first of all do uh, something, whatever work that I like, I love to do, uh, and and be able, you know, to 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 research, to 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 create, to be artistic, to you know, innovate, to do a trial and error, to learn from your, you know. Uh, whatever psychedelic experiences, whatever. you know what I'm saying. I mean, like you, you for the first time, maybe you, we can be, you know, free human beings, like uh, and and really prosper and thrive uh, in this in this new space. All right, guys, let's lift it up. Let's let's totally have agree some, with that too. Let let's have some podcasting uh, podcasting nightmares. Who's who wants to lift the lid? Lift the lid on a on the life of a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't have many, to be honest. It's um, it's just been a ton of fun, and um, I love doing it, and I, I just want to do more. The only, I, I don't think I've ever had a mishap or anything. Who was it recently? I think it was Maxime actually, where, uh, I, <laughs> I had thought that it didn't record my audio because I had started recording the meeting way before he joined. And when I was looking at the files later, you know, I played it just to make sure there was audio there. And I was like, oh, shit. And I fast forwarded a bit and there was still nothing. And I was like, no, oh, no, no. <laughs> like, you know, 
And I was like, well, I guess I'll just publish like his dialogue and maybe there'll be something beneficial in that. And uh, then thank fuck, I, um, you know, I just messed up and I, I didn't get to the right spot and it was all fine. But um, I can't say there's been any nightmares, man. It's just, been, it's just been a pleasure for me. So I've had a few like that where um, just something's still been plugged in and like the audio is not coming out of where it should be coming out of. And I'm like, no, 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 what the fuck? No, there's no, there's no way I'm going to get that guy back. That was do. the best conversation ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I, I, I always try and ask the guest, please make sure you're recording your side as well, because I don't trust myself. Like, you know, we should be better at this, right? Taking control, uh, take control of your audio, you know? <laughs> okay, Van, anything? Uh, you've been doing this longer than we have, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I've been thinking about this. You know, Peter McCormick. I mean, he 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 yeah. he, uh, he himself he 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 prefers personal interviews. Which by now, I mean, I have a professional podcast equipment right now. You know, and my microphone and everything. But I mean, if I were up to me too, but you know, it's a matter of cost and time. You got to travel, and, and now it's you know obsolete anyway because of this whole Corona hysteria. Uh, so uh, yeah, but I had some instances, you know, where the <laughs> sound was either really screwed up or you know the internet connection or 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 the other person you know didn't have their settings adjusted it's you know it's not always your fault you know it's like uh, it can be on the other on the other hand too so you know you make the best out of it and you learn you know so gents uh, i'm sorry to do this i'm really enjoying this but i have to get to the uh, Canadian Tire, which is like a, <laughs> I've know, been a store here. <laughs> yeah, can I, I need to get to the Canadian Tire to pick up a Frozen-themed tricycle for my niece who's turning four tomorrow, and they close in an hour, oh, and they're about 20, 30 kilometers away. So I Man, you got to go. you got to go. We can't, <laughs> we can't have that hanging over our heads. <laughs> Speaking about, uh, you know, junk and commercial stuff, but, you yeah. Know, you can't you can't deny a little princess of her frozen tricycle on her birthday, I guess. Her, her first bike, no. I think uh, I think you got to let that uh, one slide. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have been. Uh, children them. should have high time preference. I think children I, should still have some time high time preference. <laughs> I, I I agree, and you know, so I I definitely strike a balance. Um, but I am critical of like just everyone giving them so much plastic junk that they literally don't use the day after they get it. And so as kind of a protest and I guess kind of dumping my, my bags on them, I, uh, I have a bunch of like silver ounce coins, right, from my gold bug days. And so I give them to the kids at like birthdays and Christmases. I give them like a, an ounce of silver and, uh, you know, just, to, I don't know, try to give them something of more value than the, the plastic and maybe get them, you know, thinking about such things early, though, uh, you know, maybe silver won't be uh, too valuable to them by the time they're able to use it. So that's we'll very see, cool. But at least it's better than plastic junk, I think. So well, let's end it on one one last quick question, and then uh, and then we'll wrap it up. So, uh, okay. moon moonshot guest, who's your moonshot guest to get on the podcast? And I've got to answer my own question. You go Shit. first, cave. Okay, well, I, I got to <laughs> think about this. Yeah, <laughs> I got to think about it. It's my question. <laughs> All right, I'm going. Elon, I do not for oh, one yeah. second believe he is not down the rabbit hole. I just cannot believe for one second a guy that wants to get to Musk and SpaceX and Tesla Motors and the Boring Company and all of this 
freaking amazing like his mind um there's no way there's no way he doesn't understand from first principle thinking what bitcoin is and i would love if he doesn't i want to ask him why why have you not sat down it would take you an hour like with that noggin of yours to get your head around this and ex- like see the potential that's a good one, and I wish mm-hmm. I had thought of it because I want to steal it, but I'll try to do something. <laughs> I, I, I agree. The only possible explanation is he's so damn busy that he hasn't taken the time, but I agree. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to have Putin on. <laughs> it sounds weird. I know it sounds yeah. weird, but nice. he's changed because a lot of people tell me, you know, after so many decades, the guy has changed somehow. You know, his attitude, his... His, um, I don't know, demeanor, his, his, uh, the way he talks, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's really weird. So there are some people who know him personally uh, or have met him, and it's, it's, it's interesting to hear those observations, you know, like how he has transformed personality-wise, you know, after so many decades. And the guy's, you know, he's got, he's very knowledgeable. I mean, you know, I know his background, whatever, his KGB or whatever, and, uh, but there are some questions I would love to ask him, you know. Man, that'd be uh, awesome. I uh, always blank on these questions because I basically need a list of people to, I'm going to forget whoever, but the one that comes to my mind is uh, the Dalai Lama. I would be interested in (laughs) sitting down with him and uh, talking and getting his opinion on the role of money and, uh, you know, human potential and all sorts of different things. And uh, that that, that will probably make for an interesting, and of course, I'd show him Bitcoin as well, so. Massively. You, you remind me of, um, of a classic scene in Caddyshack right now where Bill Murray um, tells a story about playing golf with the Dalai Lama. So uh, classic answer. All right, guys, we've got to leave it there. And um, Kayvan, I'm very jealous of you. It, you, you know, very envious that you clearly have a lot of Star Wars movies to go and uh, be catching up on. And you can find out who Obi- <laughs> Kenobi is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to so, do that right now. After. You can't. Yeah. Oh, man. I can't believe. Like, John, can you believe this? Like, would I know. How much know. would you pay to be in K-Van's shoes right now? Like, he, he's not I know. And, I, like, and we, just, we just glossed that one over. That, yeah. that, you know, like, the, uh, the, the profile pic of Obi-Wan is Obi-Wan from the original Star Wars. But, yes, I'm yeah. jealous, K-Van, that you haven't broken into that universe yet. It was an exhilarating time when I was 15 years old. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, I'm a dreamer. Yeah, <laughs> that's my problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, what a pleasure. Thanks um, so yeah, much. Great to speak with you guys. Been great As doing always. this. And let's uh, yeah, let's do this like in uh, you know a month or six weeks time. And uh, once we've got some, once you've spoken to the Lama, you've spoken to Putin, and I've got Elon on, we can we can discuss. Then we can turn the connected dots. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, All right. Total someday, connected. Someday. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get there. Okay, All right, John, guys. All right, see guys. Thanks you guys. So much. Take care. See you guys. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. And um, thank you again to uh, Kayvan and um, John for, for sparing the time to sit down and do this. Although I think you probably get the, um, the impression. It, it, it's hardly work for us to sit down and, and talk about this kind of stuff. It's a joy uh, to be able to interact with, with people of such a like mind from from all over the world. The three of us were in completely separate countries, um, hanging out, having a beer. I'd never met Kayvan before. 
I'd only met John up until three weeks ago when he graciously accepted to come on my, my podcast before. We'd had no interaction with each other at all. But, and I'm sure you find this when you sit down and, um, and meet new Bitcoin people, that instant like, friendship that's formed, it transcends everything. <laughs> Nationality, religion, race, religious beliefs, political beliefs. It's crazy. It really is absolutely nuts. It's the, um, you know, it's the ultimate leveler. Um, so I hope you got a little taste for, you know, what goes on behind the scenes of, of uh, putting a podcast together. Perhaps we could talk more about that in depth at a different time. Um, but more importantly, you know, being exposed to the kind of people that um, we get to speak with. And uh, like John, he's like talking to like the leader of a political party in Canada. This is this blows my mind. Um, you know, Kayvan, the, the people he's had on his show, it's just its crazy. Um, I've had the good fortune to speak to some of the biggest names in the space, and I only started a podcast nine weeks ago. This shows you, like, the level of commitment from the people that are in this space that are truly trying to drive the education message uh, and help people understand Um in whatever way they can, whether that's writing a book or starting a podcast or writing a blog post or building a company, um, you know, building an app, starting a product, creating a service. There's, there's so much going into this right now. And, uh, and everybody seems to be, um, for the most part, come on, for the most part, uh, naturally there are always going to be a few bad apples, but for the most part, everybody pushing in the right direction. And um, the level of collaboration is untouchable from from what i can i mean if i think about any other business or any other sector legacy business has always been built on competition a competitive nature and you know kill your competitor uh, outmaneuver your competitor as quick as you can or just buy them as quick as you can you know classic m a create that invincible moat and um like john was talking about like um you know like create patents around like the service or product that you're building that doesn't seem to be happening in the Bitcoin space. And I hope that's the way for, for a long time. Uh, we, we see way more collaboration between uh, companies and um, certainly podcasters and, and authors. It's, it's only a net positive for, for the whole space. So, yeah, reach out, reach out to um, myself or Kayvan or John and, uh, you know, float, the, uh, float some ideas around, topics you might want us to talk about next time. If you think this is a good format, um, we'd love to, to get some feedback. If you think uh, we could handle a few more guests on, uh, on, another, on another larger roundtable, then throw some, throw some names in the ring. Um, you know, it's, everything's an experiment at this point and uh, open to uh, lots of suggestions and, and feedback. So don't be shy. Um, thanks for listening. Um, reach out uh, on Twitter at princey 1976 as I said at the start of the show if you're interested in my book it's uh, Choose Life you can find that on Amazon and um, yeah look forward to the next show take care stay safe <laughs>